Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at sax.com. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Aren't you always so scared? Playing gigs for 50 quid. 
Listening to 101 Part Time Jobs. It's the podcast where I speak to bands about their life of sex, drugs, and being on the dole. Loads of great guests this week, including the Roves, who have a fantastic record out called Needle Factory. If you're into Deer Tick, The Kinks, perhaps Big Star, you'll be into it. And they're doing their album release show this Saturday at the Lexington here in London. So if you're free, do go along to that. We've also got an episode with Owen from The Tubs coming up. The Tubbs' new album, Dead Meat, is fantastic. Members of X Void, Sniffing in the Nits, all of those members of Joanna Gruesome, Dead Meat is a really, really great record. But that's all to come later this week. Today, we've got H. Hawkline, whose new album, Milk for Flowers, operates on a different time zone, an alien time zone. It's just lovely. Loads of great instrumentation. It's a deep record, and you can spend some great mornings, some great afternoons listening to this album. We recorded this chat a long time ago, and it got buried in and amongst my interviews, so we don't talk about Milk for Flowers at all. But we do get a view into the artwork that he's done for Kate LeBon, who produced Milk for Flowers, and Teenage Fan Club. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, supported by 2000 Trees Festival. If you're into rock and punk and that sort of stuff, 2000 Trees is a really great festival to go to this summer. In July, it's in Cheltenham, a few hours away from London on the train, and they've made some really great announcements in the last few weeks. Headlining is Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes and Bullet For My Valentine, 100 Reasons, American Football, Rival Schools, Bob Villain, The Bronx, Black Honey, Brutus, loads of great bands playing at Trees this year. If you'd like to go, but you haven't got your ticket yet, it's a good thing. Because if you use the voucher code 101POD at checkout, you can get 20 quid straight off that ticket. You can use that score on something better, some beers and some ciggies. 2000treesfestival.co.uk, 101POD at checkout. 20 quid off your ticket. All right, here's H. Hawkline on 101 part-time jobs. Go well. And after this was born, you've got through the gauntlet, it seems. Yeah. Feels like you've got past the point where you might have given up due to any kind of stress. Yeah. It does it does get stressful. I think um it's funny when you're touring. I find that trying to do any kind of... There's no worse nightmare. I mean, there are actually... Let's be realistic. <laughs> people who actually encounter real nightmares in their lives, like having to save somebody who's been hit by... But it's the nightmare you create for yourself, right? It's the you stuff... Create for yourself. And also, but there's nothing worse than being in the middle of a tour and somebody emails you and says, got this design job going or got this thing that needs doing. Any chance you could do it by next Friday? And I think you know, my dad had this thing with work, which I've sort of semi-taken on, but not really, where he was like, say yes to everything. You should just, like, you never know when you won't be working. If you're like a freelancer, if you work in a kind of creative industry, you just say yes to everything, and then you worry about how you're going to do it after. But I think concentrate when you're on, even though it's funny, because most of the time on tour, you're just sitting in a van doing nothing, playing silly games and talking. But I think there's a... You, you don't want to miss out on that nothing that everybody else is enjoying. Yeah. So like sitting, I, but I have had times on tour where I'm like sitting 
in a van with a laptop trying to deliver something. I remember one like really stressful one was and it's going it's good, this is going to sound hilarious when I tell you what it was and it sort of sound, it sounds like you know I'm showing off but I was confused as to how I ended up getting this gig but there's there was I, I knew when I lived in America through sort of friends of friends I got to know this guy who started a big kind of fashion company like a really high-end fashion company but the guy who'd started the fashion company was a bit of a kind of maverick thinker and he wanted their website their design their look to be really different to anything else that was out there so his approach to that was well I'll just get somebody who doesn't work in the fashion world to design it and also maybe somebody who doesn't even work in like fashion magazine like mm-hmm. and not even dilettante yeah well, strangely that you should funny you should say that that was the name of the man's company at the time kidding that's what, I'm not kidding it's a good word that and um and so this guy I was in the middle of the tour and this guy emailed me and he was like you know me and my new business partner were setting up a fashion label could you design if we sent you photos of like the clothes that we have so far could you design us a kind of pdf look like a 30 page lookbook and what was anno- annoying was it's like it's funny when people ask you to, to design work sometimes i would rather if somebody just said this is exactly what i want i'm imagining this can you do it which is kind of rare that you get that usually people are like i'm sort of thinking something a bit like this but mm-hmm. just do what you want but mm-hmm. and this was do what you want so he provided me with you know the copy it was like pages and pages of like descriptions of the clothes and how their brand would work and what their website would be and so it was a kind of the lookbook was you know me having to kind of frame these clothes in an interesting way and choose the typeface and lay it all out in a way that almost like a like a pitch document that they could then take to people and say we're going to set up this clothing company this is sort of what it's going to look like these are the flames on the tees exactly yeah and I had to do that in the middle of a Kate Le Bon tour in two days. That was an early Kate Le Bon tour. So, and I think we were in America, which would have meant not many people at gigs, excessive drinking. So it was, I just remember this night where everybody else went out on, it was like a night off and they all went out to enjoy themselves and just being, you know, in a hotel room on my own until like six in the morning trying to get this thing done. But I did it. And they liked it, but it, nothing else ever came of it. Actually, I think I designed a newsletter for them like a few years later, but nothing else. And so there would be times when you'd do it in the back of the van, in the back of the car. For a lino cut, I would kind of draw it out in a, like a piece, on a piece of paper, you know, on the, in a van, and then maybe then get back to the hotel. And, you know, you sort of, whatever city you're in, you buy some, art, you go to the art yeah. shop, you buy a piece yeah. of lino, some tools for carving, I've kind of made, carved one and inked them and pressed them all in a hotel room in a night. That's brilliant. And you kind of wake up in the morning and every part of the hotel room has got like a lino cut drying on it. But it's great because it's, I like lino cuts because, you know, you can, you can print a lot, you know, as a touring musician, they're great because you can do an an edition of 50. It's a good thing to sell for merch. Mm, mm. 
and they all kind of because you're hand printing them they're all different you know even i think oh that one's dreadful i feel sorry when sometimes people buy ones that i don't think are very well pressed yeah so and things like that i enjoy doing on tour does your kind of artwork does that come from a place of necessity of of doing stuff for your own bands growing up yeah it's so i tell you it, it started um you know i love doing art in school but i left school before i did my a levels um i always loved and it kind of started off as like a hobby thing at home and more if it was like somebody's birthday mm, i would make nice yeah make something for somebody's birthday that's really nice it started definitely started off with lots of kind of collage that would make people if it was somebody's birthday you'd make them a collage birthday cards or maybe get a small piece of wood to paint something on it um but it was definitely just a thing that i would make and give to mm -hmm. friends and then i suppose the first real kind of art as work thing i did was Kate LeBond's first album, and Kate and I were together at the time, and she needed an album cover designing. And looking back, it was kind of quite a big leap of faith for her, and I, and I'm still not sure why she asked me to do it in a way, in a strange way because I'd never I'd not designed a record cover before, but Kate, you know, she needed an album cover. It was for me, oh my, and. Um, I remember just her saying, could you do an album cover? Me? I, you know, I'd really like you to do the cover. And I said, yes. I said, yeah, of course I could. And then immediately Googled, like, how to, you, how, how to Photoshop. You know, I'd never used Photoshop or Illustrator or anything like that before. I mean, I st and I also still do that now when I'm designing. I'm, I'm going to, I mean, I think every, I think even oh, people YouTube's. have been doing it. Yeah, you're kind of, I fixed my uh, lawnmower the other day because it, it wouldn't, I, I, I also, I'm going to, also important to preface this with this, I have a tiny garden, but I, for some I have a petrol lawnmower that's, for me, is like a family heirloom. It's not, we're not going to go into that. It's a whole other story. Lovely aesthetic. But I've got this tiny, I've got this tiny patch of grass and this beautiful Honda HR176 lawnmower that's a fam, that was, anyway, it wouldn't start and I googled troubleshooting honda hr176 and the next thing you know i was drying out the carburetor and i've got it started again anyway um so after googling how to photoshop there was this book that had come out at the time which was like a um i'm trying to think who would have made it now it was like a collection of kind of it was a book on no wave music and um there was all these kind of great album covers in there and i remember there was this one amazing photo of oh what's her name lydia lydia lunch Lit lunch yeah. yeah and there's this great photo of her in the book where her eyes are kind of uh, what i'm admitting here is for kate's first album cover i kind of ripped something off kind of but the only thing i stole from the photo was it had that really nice quality that kind of graphic quality it was a photograph that had been kind of gradiented quite heavily but they'd, you know, they'd added white to her eyes. So her eyes were kind of ruined. And I was thinking, God, that looks great. And then from that, you know, there was lyrics on the album referencing eggs. So I think I kind of imagined this thing. Okay, so her eyes are glowing, but I want something to that's making the eyes glow. So, you know, the kind of Pulp Fiction, they open the suitcase, the gold mm -hmm, or whatever. Mm -hmm, Sorry, I keep mm -hmm. knocking this microphone. Ter terribly unprofessional. Um so then, so then I was like, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll take a photograph of Kate holding an egg. But I was like, oh, the egg needs to be big. So I bought an ostrich egg. 
And I think I ended up painting the ostrich egg. You can buy ostrich eggs. Oh, you could buy them for pennies. But now, because everybody, you know, it's kind of an interior design, you know, a little egg on it. It's like ready-made art, isn't it? It's beautiful, a giant egg. But then, I think I bought an ostrich egg on eBay for a few pounds. And, um, yeah, and I painted the the sort of mi-oh-my in that kind of almost gothic font onto the egg. And then I photographed Kate holding the egg and then gave the photograph the sort of same treatment that I'd seen. And all of this, you know, never done Photoshop. Or so it was just kind of learning as I went. And my friend Kirsten McTurnan took the photo for me. And then when I finished, I took the whole... Because obviously I'd made the cover and the back and the inside as these kind of separate panels. But I had no idea... I didn't know that you had to put it into templates. I thought you just gave mm. a record label that. Mm. and Give then, it bleed and yeah, exactly. all the stuff. And I I showed it to my friend who was, you know, a professional graphic designer. And he was like, you know, it lo- he liked the way it looked. But he had no idea how I'd done any of the things. This might be getting too kind of into the technicalities of kind of Photoshop and Illustrator, but... I'd kind of made these files and I wasn't taking notice of layers and, you know, I was just putting things everywhere. So the the, the files were a mess, basically. And that's something that I've held on to and continue to this day is in, I think when you're using things like Photoshop and Illustrator, I think of it as an advantage that I don't know how to use those programs mm-hmm. properly. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you knew how to use them properly and you knew how to do that, you're kind of spoilt for choice then. Where if you have these limitations where it's like, well, I don't know what this button on, you know, there's buttons on Photoshop. I see people using it and I'm like, oh, I had no idea that that did that. And I think that's a kind of, otherwise your work will end up just looking like every other graphic designer's work because everybody uses the same tools. It's like these days you can download paper textures and, you know, um, half tone creators and, but every time I see a band photo or an album cover, it all looks, at the minute, you know, it's all kind of this like spray art, half-tone stuff going on. And I don't mind using that stuff, but I'd rather use it in a way that isn't just the easy Photoshop way of using it, I think. What hard do you want? Part-time jobs, what hard do you want? Part-time jobs, what hard do you want? Part-time jobs, what hard do you want? Part-time jobs. I could never do it full time because once I've done so this year I've I've had lots of designed lots of stuff this year was teenage fan club records I did the teenage fan club one yeah and normally with me I'll do kind of design work I'll do maybe like you know ten or less than that you know big things in a year. And I kind of do it, I'll do one and there's a big gap before I do something else. But recently, because there's not much gigging going on, it's sort of all I've been doing. And it's funny because I've the last thing I've ended up having to do is my own album. Mm. And at this point, I never want to do a design job ever again. I mean, if anybody's listening and they is want that a designer, be- I do. But, <laughs> you know, for now, I'd love to have like a bit of time off because it feels once it starts feeling like a job, the enjoyment, you know, I'm, I, if I'm doing something, you know, I'm quite kind of a manic person if I'm doing something like that. And so I suppose doing lots of it, you just kind of run out of you just kind of go, I guess I'll just stick that there, move this here. I think there are some people who just 
can just keep doing it, you know, and they Life finish is. one thing and it's like, yeah, and then there's another thing and it's the work of whatever the next thing they do will be completely different. And But I think I definitely need time in between doing things. Can you see it from, like, from above, like objectively splitting your time between writing music and creating art? No, it, I don't think I have the time to... I think they all... It's just, it's just everything's happening at once, basically. And sometimes, and I also do, you know, as well, you know, if we're talking about side hustles, I also do quite a lot. If I don't have graphic design work on, I'm a very keen sort of DIY. I'm a good painter and decorator, let's put it that way. I'm, right. So I'm good painter and decorator. That's a good but, skill. But I can do other small bits of DIY, very basic stuff. Um, you got a drill? Oh, yeah, I've got two drills. I've got an impact driver and a drill. What's an impact driver? It's like a really strong screwdriver, you know. It's nice. like a, it's, they're great, yeah. And so at times when I've not been busy with music or design, I've done lots of painting and decorating for friends. And That's, you're a good friend to have. Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I think they use me. I'm not even sure if they're my real friends anymore. It's just oh, he will do it. So so yeah. So I'll um, I do a bit of painting and decorating. But recently I was, you know, you're having a kind of weird manic phase. So I was doing, I was trying to do my album cover. I was also finishing off another couple of covers I've been doing recently. But I've also got some DIY to do in my house. And I was kind of writing. And I had this like two weeks of, I would do sort of 20 minutes of one thing. So I would be sort of in my room doing a kind of design thing on my computer. And then I'd sort of, I'm going to go to the garden, have a cigarette. And then whilst I was in the garden, I was like, oh, I could take that. If I pull that bulkhead off the wall now, I can put a new bulb in that, right? So I was going into the thing, getting a screwdriver. So I was kind of DIYing and trying to do design and then sort of, right, okay, I'm going to play a bit of guitar. And then after you just run out of juice eventually. You feel sick. It's funny, I deal with the structure of touring well, but if somebody told me, okay, you're going to, do, you're going to go into the office at nine and you're going to sit by this computer until you've finished... I'm a master procrastinator. Your mind would just go somewhere else, wouldn't it? Yeah, I just couldn't do it. I'd just be playing like online billiards or something. You know, I'd be not doing what I was meant to be doing. Do you feel like you've kind of mastered it? Have you you come to grips with it? No, I mean, I don't think... I think if if I'd thought I'd mastered anything, I'd stop doing it. I, I think that it's always important to feel an element of I don't really know what I'm doing and then you're always kind of trying to do something better I feel like I get better at it as I do it but I don't think I've mastered the only thing I've mastered is is procrastination you know that I've got down to a fine art but the actual kind of work I think everything you do you know each different thing works out so differently as well Mm. that you kind of maybe you sort of think right I know exactly what I'm doing and you start, start doing something and then you quickly realise, oh, hang on, that idea doesn't work and now I'm stuck and I don't know what to do. You know, as I think when, like you think of master, it's just you just sit down and it's there and you send it off and it's, see you later, here's the invoice. I read an interview with Richard Herring a few years ago and he was saying, you know, the thing that keeps him doing it is just a genuine fear (laughs) of being late or getting it wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I really relate to that. How was living in the States? How was working in the States and, and playing on records there? Yeah, look, I mean, I think looking back, I probably felt quite lost. 
over there because I didn't have... I suppose all of the work I was doing whilst I lived there was for Kate and I wasn't really doing much of my own stuff whilst I was out there. So it's difficult then because then you just... You kind of lose your own identity and then on top of that you're in a foreign city and you're making new friends. So you kind of do feel, you know... You just feel slightly lost, don't you? You kind of go, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know how to, you know, make the connections with people so that I can kind of get different bits of work. But I suppose what was weird was, looking back, I I did make those connections, but it didn't feel like I was making them at the time. Mm -hmm. And there's people now who I met out there who I still do things with now, Devendra or Tim or, you know, these people like Tim Presley and these different people I met, they were, yeah. So, But at the time, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I feel like I just wake up every day, drink a cold brew coffee, smoke about 50 cigarettes and worry about not earning any money, basically. But Anne Anne had a lovely time as well. (laughs) That last bit, you know, the worrying about money is something that everyone can massively relate to. (laughs) I mean, I just find it so, you know, I guess my world growing up was, is, is, still is, kind of punk rock and and hardcore. And so it's, you know, there aren't many session musicians mm-hmm. in that kind of ecosystem and there's something i really like about the idea because it is it is it's something it's going to be something new mm. every time mm. um and i like the idea of people taking fun seriously yeah it's 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 my favorite and i and i think i really enjoy coming up so i like coming up with like parts mm. i know when i've played on that the last so that I, I played on uh, designer by aldous harding great record played on something else by her as well recently and although your job you've kind of been employed to sort of come up with parts i think i i, I think i can be quite an annoying person in a studio as well because it's because i kind of i'll sort of write something and it's like what about this and hannah and john parish who produce it'll be like nah, i don't like that okay okay okay, okay wait 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 what about this? And then it's like, no, don't like that. And then, okay, is the Fender Rhodes on? Okay, what about this? You know, I kind of, yeah, I think I think I get overexcited and want to, and, you know, with my own albums, if I was left to my own devices, there'd just be endless tracks of nonsense, you know. Even outside of, you know, after that, after the fact of releasing it and going on tour, keeping, keeping fun people who's releasing the record or who you're touring with, have that kind of just sort of fall into place for you? Or have you been able to say like, oh, do you know, I really like that group of people. I like Heavenly. I want to be around people like that. Yeah, I think I've been really lucky. I don't think I've ever been on a tour or worked with anybody and come away from it and not... And and that's not just 100% being nice. not being nice. No, I don't think... You know, I think, you know, you get back what you put in or whatever I think um yeah I think I've only ever yeah I, I can't, there's nothing I've done with anybody that I've walked away from and thought I'll never do that again that person was dreadful I'm it's more kind of I really hope I get to do that again or I really hope I get to do something with that person again and I'm a cynical person I would be the first person to say you know that I hated something or like that was dreadful or but I've been quite lucky I feel like I've only ever had nice times when it comes to kind of creative projects has there been something that's maybe because especially with design because i don't it's not a job 
per se. That it feels like you're cho- choosing to do it. Yeah, it feels like I'm. I'm lucky that it just c- comes to me, and you know. So it's it is always kind of a fun thing. Like the teen, I did the teenage fan club one recently, and that was really fun. But it was fun because they were Raymond and Norman were like, just do what you want, mm. you know. And I was like, is there any kind of direction? And they were like, no. <laughs> just you know, we've we've liked we've liked stuff you've done in the past. Just do whatever you want. And it was you it's know, a strong look. I mean, the colors are strong, the imagery is strong. Yeah, it's also not the one I would have chosen, which is another funny. You know, I so when I when I did it for them. I can't remember how it happened. I think they sent me the album and I listened to the album and then I spoke to Norman on the phone and we chatted for like two hours and I think we spoke for sort of an hour and a half just about nothing about, you know, it was start of the pandemic and it was we just kind of did an hour and a half of just general chatting and then when it came to the album, you know, I asked, I, I thought it was about something and I was like, is it sort of about this? And Norman was like in a really sweet way. He was like, "No, it's actually about this." And I was like, "Oh, okay, well, that's a bit heavier than what I thought it was about." But also, you know, same realm and and so, and then I just started with that. Then I mean, I don't even, I can't, I'm not even sure how it ended up looking the way it did. I think I just, I started doing things. I think I designed a whole cover sent it to them to see if they just liked the feel of it and they were like mm, not don't really like any of this but we like an element of this one so okay took the element of that one that they liked which was know. the element was it like the 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 strong kind of pink green colors or was it the um the roman i think it was the roman kind of statue which kind of featured in a different way on something else and then I also had this thing where I, there was a painting I'd done, which was this kind of face, like a sort of weird silhouette of an old man's face, but it sort of didn't look like an old man. It was a kind of strange, kind of Neolithic blob man. And they were like, oh, we sort of like that as well. And then I think sort of the blob became that kind of black outline. I, I don't know. It, they're like they're puzzles, isn't it? You just find all these different bits and then you move them, move everything around until you go, okay, that's that has balance and that looks nice and and if you and if you know what the album's about you know you're trying to imbue it with some kind of mm-hmm. you know that you'd look at it and sort of think oh okay and sometimes the you know it can be like to me when i look at that cover it's kind of a quite a literal representation of the album but sometimes you can do something sort of really abstract and strangely, that also convey, you know, I was about to say, actually, like abstract art, isn't it? You can just look at something that yeah. one person looks at it and it's a blob. And it, and it makes them happy and another person looks at it and they <laughs> burst into tears. There's lots of art I know that's made by graphic designers and it's lovely and I really like it. But it looks like art that a graphic designer has made. And then, you know, there's I know other people who can, with a brush and an ink, doodle something in five minutes and it'll have this weird sadness to it that'll make me... And I think sometimes I can fluke those things. I feel like they're flukes, you know. Of the the hundred things that I'll do, there's one thing and I'll be like, oh, there's accidentally... It's like, oh, there's a love, you know. But that's another strange thing about art, isn't it? That that happens, that you can can paint a hundred things exactly the same... But one of them, for whatever reason, because of the balance and the, it'll be like, oh, that's, that's. Yeah. and the, and in, and with music as well, it's still really difficult. It's an easier thing to do with music. There's tricks you can do with music, isn't there? You know, mm, mm. you can play a sad chord, mm-hmm. 
and you know it's a, it's a universally sad chord. Yeah, you play a D minor and everybody's like, oh, God, it feels a bit sad. Yeah. You can play like an F sharp minor and it's like sad, but strangely not quite as sad. E minor <laughs> sad, that, but like cheesy sad, uh-huh. as is A minor, both sort of, sort of slightly, obviously <laughs> sad. D minor is really sad. F sharp. F sharp minor is kind of weirdly happy sad. So you, you there's there's you know there's and you can sing in a certain way. You can make your voice sound sad, can't you? You can put a sadness in your voice and but you can but that's what's that you know visual art. How do you obviously you can paint, paint a picture of somebody crying, but it's not about that. There's you know capturing an emotional feeling in something like that is. But I think when people manage to do that with visual art, it's like a special thing. You know when you see a painting. Because it's and and it can kind of move you like that, but you know I'm a man who cries at the drop of a hat. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember when we finished a Devendra tour in I can't remember where we were, and there was a David Hockney exhibition on, and I like David Hockney, but I'm not a kind of I'm not. It's not like oh, David Hockney's the man, but he's obviously incredible. And actually, strangely, I went to that exhibition and realised that is the first David Hockney, you know, I've actually been to, other than just his famous paintings that I've recognised. And there was a lot of, like, really early stuff of his that I, I, yeah, I loved it. But there was one painting, not sure what it's called, and it's a paint, it's like a portrait of his parents in their living room. And they're kind of sat by side by side, and there's a mirror on the wall. I think there was something about that in the description of the painting. Maybe it explained that it it came from his, you know. But maybe there was something to do with him feeling guilty about not being spending enough time with them, and he didn't. He lived in America at the time, or something. And there's just this painting of the two of them looking really happy, and there's a mirror between them. This is the way I remember it. I might have just in, invented all these details, and he's not reflected in the mirror. So there was kind of. For me, anyway, there was this absence. Mm. It was a portrait of them. He probably could see himself when he's painted, but he's not. And I mean, yeah, I just burst into tears. So that's like, I wish I could do that with art. You know, that if you could give me, if I could have any superpower, it would be that I could doodle something now with a pencil on this table and show it to you and you'd crumble. Feel something. Yeah, yeah. feel something. It's mad, isn't it? It's a hard thing. to. It's a, it's a beautiful skill, you know. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at sax.com. Thanks so much for for being up for doing this. Oh, it's, it's been, been really nice. Been and any any teenage jobs, any not teenage jobs in your twenties that you that you had on the side that were dreadful oh, yeah. or um, brilliant. Oh, I mean, I did, I've, I've, it's probably all the classics: paper rounds, Improstatin. I think I got paid. I got paid a pound a day, and two pounds on a Saturday and a Sunday. Because you had to carry the uh, Sunday papers were obviously heavier, and um, but I think you know most like lots of people have had paper rounds. I guess I also worked. So my dad um, 
as a like a broadcaster journalist worked for the BBC and every year in Wales we have you know these big kind of cultural events like the Royal Welsh which is the kind of big agricultural show um the Eisteddfod you get Eisteddfod Genedlaethol which is where they compete for the, the the poets compete for the chair and the crown and Eredith which is where the sort of it's the sort of youth singing acting performing kind of competition anyway these are and they, these are kind of cultural festivals in a field tents and there's a food tent on this in these fields called and it was a company called Cumney Boyd Darlen and I was working for them when I was fourteen and yeah it was just it was you I mean if I was prepping food at fourteen for the buffet with no. <laughs> I certainly didn't have didn't, didn't have to pass any kind of hygiene no you gloves. know test I had no certificates probably no gloves and I remember <laughs> once doing it doing one for the Royal Welsh I, so you do a week of work at this place for the Royal Welsh and for whatever reason and it was my dad that would get me these jobs he was like I've got a great summer job for you you're going to go and work you know for this catering company at a festival and I remember in the Royal Welsh because maybe I was late joining the team. And they had, it was a team of teenagers that worked at these places. There was nobody, apart from the kind of, the kind of main workforce was like between sort of 14 and 17. Um, in the Royal Welsh one, because I was late joining or something, I there was no accommodation for me. So I had to sleep in this tiny little tent kind of next to where the prep you know just outside the back of the tent where the people would like throw out the slops the royal welsh is hell on earth it's it's if you're a young farmer it's it's heaven they know how to have a good time so it would be you know at, at night there was this thing called the young people's village and you'd go to it and in wales there'd be kind of um, you know there would be sort of welsh bands playing and dj's but it was just underage drinking at sort of terrifying the absolute <laughs> scenes yeah. as they say yeah and i remember there's one night where a, a welsh hip-hop band called tustion were playing and i w- i would just go to the young people's village every night on my own i didn't kind of have any other friends working i wasn't really friends with the people who were on that and i would just go there every night get absolutely blotto and i remember there was one night where i came back and I would have to go on to the kind of showgrounds to get to my little tent and was caught by security vomiting in the wheel of like a show tractor. You know, there was like, they would have these, like the, the most beautiful modern tractors on show. And uh, yeah, so that was definitely a funny job that I did when Excellent. I was younger that I wouldn't want to do again. <laughs> Brilliant. Hugh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's been very lovely. nice of you. So there was H. Hawkline here on 101 Part Time Jobs. His new album, Milk for Flowers, is out now on Heavenly Recordings. Cheers to Steve Phillips for setting this up. See you later on in the week with some episodes with The Roves, whose record you need to check out, called Needle Factory, and then Owen from The Tubs. See you then. Here's some Cox Barra. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. Running around like a blue-arse fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. 
Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.